everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar. And I'm going to throw a comment on the screen right away here on YouTube from Sloth. We are so back. That is true. We are so back. Minnesota Vikings training camp day one right here in my notes app. Uh, You can't really see it on the stream, but I have all of my notes from today. From day one, we get our first look at what is the Vikings beginning depth chart. It has plenty of opportunity to change. Uh, We also heard from Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, Brian Flores. I talked after practice to Tristan Jackson as well, who had a really good opening practice. So there is a lot to discuss here right off the bat. So if you want to jump in the comments with any of your questions or your takes and and so forth, or things that you want to know what I saw out there today or reactions to anything else, feel free to do so. Love to make this uh, a really fun chat and uh, appreciate you, Chris, for saying that the studio is looking good. And uh, I feel the same way. I'm thinking about adding a couple of things to it here or there. I was uh, experimenting with the idea of putting some football cards in between the pictures that are behind me or uh, maybe some, I don't know, uh, little lights or something to make it look a little more official. I don't know. But I I am loving being in an actual kind of studio space, not in an empty room and having my audio echo and all those things. So uh, that makes me feel good that you said that. But, you know, I'll tell you a little quick story about training camp just just to let everybody know that, yes, we are officially back. So I was talking to Tristan Jackson and had a good conversation. That's going to be an article that's uh, up tomorrow. So we're having a discussion, and I, and I was going through the audio when I got home to transcribe it because that's how it works. Do your interviews, come home, transcribe it, write it as an article. And I'm listening. I keep hearing this sound. I keep hearing thunk, thunk, like every, like every, every five seconds. Thunk. What is it? And I'm like, what is that? typing through the article. What is that? What is that noise? And then it hit me. And then I realized it was the jugs machine, the beautiful sound of the jugs machine in the background of my audio. That's how we know that Vikings training camp is back. So I want to run down some of the notes that I took from today about the depth charge, just what we saw I think today's not really a day to discuss too many plays because it was a short practice. I mean, first of all, it's like 95 degrees out there. Uh, They're not in pads yet. And so we'll kind of figure that out as we go along. Jordan Addison had a nice catch. Tristan Jackson had probably the best catch of the day. But aside from that, I mean, it wasn't really a day to start analyzing. How did this guy look? How did that guy look? Because it was such a short practice. But of course, the depth chart in itself tells us quite a bit. So first of all, uh, Daniil Hunter was not doing anything. We totally expected that. He was not present anywhere. I looked around for him and I didn't see him. He's hard to miss because he's enormous, but I didn't see him in the weight room. Didn't see him out there doing any stretching or anything. So he is there. Allegedly we were told, but uh, no evidence that he's there. I don't, I don't know what he drives. Um, the player's parking lot is on the other side of the media parking lot. So it'd be weird if I went driving by their parking lot to, you know, like, is he there? I, I don't think they would like that very much or he would. So I'll have to take their word for it and assume that he is somewhere in the building and he is working on just getting the defense down. If this is the defense he's going to play on, it's a little weird, but he wasn't there. Brian O'Neill, initially the Vikings talked about O'Neill being ready for the start of camp. 
and he was not on the pup list, physically unable to perform. So he must be fairly close, but he was not practicing today. He was doing some drills on the side, working on where kind of the injured players work, although he was really the only one today, but just doing work off to the side. So Oli Udo was the one that was playing with the first team. Um, just some kind of things that stuck out. Uh, Joan Williams was playing with the first team. And I think some of you might be like, who won Williams? What? Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a guy who was a second round draft pick a few years back out of Vanderbilt and has a Belichick connection because it was uh, New England that drafted him. But he didn't play a whole heck of a lot his first couple years, really rarely saw time, and then was injured last year but seems like an intriguing Brian Flores project. Now in minicamp, I didn't notice him taking too many first team reps, but as of today, he was out there with the starting corners with Byron Murphy and to Caleb Evans and uh, Andrew Booth Jr. and Makai Blackman were with the second team. So it was not uh, either one of those guys. I was surprised by that. I actually thought that there would be more mixing and matching. Again, this is day one. So I just want to put a qualifier on everything and say it's only day one this could have been for whatever reason but certainly sticks out when it's a veteran that they signed that we didn't really make a big deal of that signing when they picked up Jawan Williams kind of oh okay I guess he's here and uh, yet he was with uh, the first team so right away that's going to be something to watch also it just feels like from OTAs to minicamp to now that they like a Caleb Evans and that I, I wouldn't say locked into that spot but he's in that spot as of right now and then Byron Murphy he's going to be uh, a guy who's going to play in the nickel uh, he's going to be on the inside at, in the nickel package and then on the outside when they go to the base that's kind of how things looked uh, we did wonder if it would be Troy Reader or anybody else along with Jordan Hicks at linebacker. It was not. It was Brian Asamoah the whole time. That's a good sign. Reader was mixing in uh, in minicamp, if not taking maybe even more reps in minicamp. But from the start of training camp, which is obviously what matters more, Brian Asamoah there with Jordan Hicks. I don't expect that to change at any point. Uh, Cam Bynum at your safety position alongside with Harrison Smith. Nothing different there for Lewis Seen. Harrison Smith did go down for a moment after a really nice catch by TJ Hawkinson, and Lewis Seen took maybe two or three reps. Uh, I don't think it was anything serious with Harrison Smith. He just seemed to kind of fall hard, and then Lewis Seen went in. Uh, you don't want to push Harrison Smith on the first day. So, uh, But Lewis Seen still very much safety number four. Uh, Josh Metellus was doing the same sort of thing in those three safety sets from, and he was also uh, a big discussion point over the last two days. Brian Flores talked about how football IQ plays in and, and sort of players who can understand the bigger concepts, which really, uh, you know, is Josh Metellus and Harrison Smith had a lot to say about him the other day as well. So it looks like as of right now, Metellus is in, in that kind of package where there's three safeties and Brian Flores actually uses that unlike in the past where we just kind of heard about it and uh, Cam Bynum is the starter and has not been anything except the starter since really the beginning of last year's camp. So we'll see if that changes at any point. They did use uh, Marcus Davenport inside and outside. Um, you know, I don't know how notable that is, but he was kind of in a wide nine position at one point. And then when they were doing some different things kind of like passing situations or 
like a third down or, or something like that. And this again is day one, but he was kind of moving around. So I, I am interested to see if Brian Flores is going to move Marcus Davenport around to some different spots. And uh, you can continue to drop your questions in guys and I'll, I'll run down through them as I, after I go through the notes here. So feel free to think of questions, drop them in the comments, and then we can carry on after, uh, you know, the rest of my notes. Cause I only got a couple more things. Jalen Naylor, uh, was really, uh, I guess if you had to say who was absolutely wide receiver three, I would say Jalen Naylor for today. Addison did mix in, uh, at times a little later in the practice, but from the very start of the practice, it was Jalen Naylor. The thing with what they do with wide receivers is it's kind of like hockey line changes. So Kirk cousins works with a lot of different wide receivers under Mike Zimmer. It worked like this a lot less. It was really very rigid. It was first team versus first team, second team versus second team with Kevin O'Connell. It's much more, Whoa. Okay. Uh, this wide receiver, like Thayer Thomas is out there with Kirk. What's going on? Like, there's a little more of every wide receiver getting some reps, at least early on in camp, and that will probably change when we get into those joint practices and things like that. But it's much harder to say for sure, okay, this guy's wide receiver three. But notable that Jalen Naylor seemed to get more reps with K.J. Osborne and with Justin Jefferson than Jordan Addison, at least from the start. Uh, Kenny Wongwu mixed in with the first team. I did not see Ty Chandler mix in with the first team. And uh, this is another one where watching closely what Kenny Wongwu and Ty Chandler are doing. I thought I caught a Dwayne McBride first team rep, but it only would have been like one. Uh, it seems though, as of this moment, that it's Alexander Madison, then Kenny Wongwu, then Ty Chandler, like one, two, three, as of this moment. And we'll see if that changes along the way. So those are kind of some of the notes that I have. Uh, Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, the way I would put it, you know, they all talked today and none of them said anything that you would have not expected them to say. So Jordan Addison said once again, sorry for speeding, uh, that, you know, it was a mistake. He's not going to do it again. It's a legal matter. So he didn't want to, uh, you know, talk too much more about that. Justin Jefferson talked about being here. Uh, kind of making good on his promise to show up, but he really didn't have any leverage to not show up as far as his contract went. And TJ Hawkinson, there's been no noise whatsoever. And he was asked about Cole Komet signing a contract today, who's definitely not as good as Jordan Addison, but he kind of said like, yeah, good for him. Uh, or I'm sorry, um, TJ Hawkinson. He's not as good as TJ Hawkinson. Really, it's the Evan Ingram deal that Hawkinson's going to beat, but he is more in the ballpark of, uh, you know, the other guys who are more elite than even Evan Ingram. So like a Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, he kind of flies in a different air than a Cole Komet. So it doesn't really have an impact on him, but nobody said anything that made me go, wow. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, this is a big headline right away. And kind of the same with Brian Flores as well. Just talking about his philosophy, everybody knows he wants to be aggressive and, and things like that. So I wouldn't say that it was a huge uh, quote day. I did have a good discussion with Tristan Jackson after practice about uh, how it's helped him to have come from the Rams and have a good understanding of the offense and being able to you know kind of get an edge from that last year. And right now, if I was making a 53, I think I would have – Tristan Jackson winning a final spot. I think maybe keeping six wide receivers, one of them being a punt returner 
But last year, I think they regretted having Jalen Rager as the first guy up if somebody got banged up, especially in that Indianapolis game where I think he ran the wrong route like twice and it cost them uh, or almost, you know, cost them that game. I think they'd rather have someone who's more of a true wide receiver. And Jackson is, in my mind, ahead of pretty much everyone else except for Jalen Naylor and obviously Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, and KJ Osborne. So that's the starting point. Um, and we can talk about, you know, all the other things from there and all of your questions, but at least we got that kind of first look at what it was like. Oh, I was going to mention as well that DJ Wanham was exclusively playing in place of Daniil Hunter. So if Daniil Hunter does not play for the Vikings this year, at least beginning point, but I kind of expect it to be this way unless we see Patrick Jones, you know, jump up, uh, in the, you know, throughout the preseason or whatever, uh, that DJ Wanham and Marcus Davenport would be your edge rushers. That's not really very inspiring. So maybe they would go to the free agent market and look for somebody else. And I would say the same for the running back position. If they're not thrilled with what they see from Kenny Wong Wu and Ty Chandler, that's another one that uh, could be a thing. So, all right, let's get into your questions from Luke is Naylor as good as everyone is saying, do you think we might not get a definitive receiver number three on the depth chart? Well, um, I don't know what everyone is saying about Jalen Naylor. Uh, apparently I guess people think he's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Jalen Naylor is experienced in the offense and that's going to matter early in training camp that he has done this last year. It's a complicated offense for receivers. And I kind of can't say that enough throughout the off season because I had a good conversation with Keenan McCardle about it. And he just, he told me flat out, this is very difficult for wide receivers to get down all the details. And I asked Tristan Jackson, why is that? And he said, because you have to understand a lot of different alignments and you really have to play a big role in the running game. If you're a wide receiver and you know, you remember that Robert Woods and Cooper cup were big weapons for the Los Angeles Rams when, you know, Kevin O'Connell was out there winning the super bowl with the Rams. So, you know, I could see that like that, that, that if you can't get those roles down, that you're not going to be able to play as much. So Jalen Naylor understands the offense. He's coming back for year two. He's going to be ahead of Jordan Addison in that way because Addison has so much to learn right off the bat. I do think he has potential. I don't know about if there's wide receiver three potential uh, at the beginning of the season, maybe that he could be that instead of Jordan Addison. I think they want Jordan Addison to win that job. Okay. I don't think that I know that, <laughs> that they want him to win that job, but would I be totally shocked if Jalen Naylor played really well in training camp and ended up starting the season as wide receiver three with Addison mixing in? Of course not. I mean, I, I think that that's plausible, not ideal, but certainly plausible. And could he develop into somebody who is some kind of a weapon for them? I mean, what, how could I deny it when looking at this team? Of course it's possible. I mean, KJ Osborne's done it. Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen. Uh, this organization has something for wide receivers but I don't expect him to hold that job all season long. Uh, I would expect that, that he could by the end of training camp still be the guy that they trust more going into week one and mix in and out with Jordan Addison going with just, you know, what Addison is comfortable with, but Addison is the more gifted player 
and they want him to be wide receiver two or three in this offense and not Jalen Naylor, but rather have Naylor be a depth player. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I've liked what I've seen from Jalen Naylor last year at times in training camp. When he got in games, he made plays right away. And then minicamp OTAs, he was regularly making plays. So, yeah, I mean, there could be some Naylor buzz, but I wouldn't overreact to the fact that he was ahead seemingly of Addison just uh, on day one. Uh, from James, how does Addison look in individual drills compared to Justin Jefferson? That's a hard one for me to really answer. I mean, individual drills. If you can watch individual drills and tell me like which guy is better than another guy, I, I mean, in the NFL, you're good at it. Then you're really good at it. I mean, mostly individual drills. Uh, okay. Except for one-on-ones. There was not one-on-ones today. You can watch one-on-ones, but if you're talking about running around cones and stuff like they were today, I, I don't, I don't know. Justin Jefferson is on a different planet from almost everybody. So I, I wasn't watching closely on when they were running around little sticks. I was actually standing near where linebackers and safeties were hitting a sled and then tackling a foam pad. Why wouldn't I be right? So I wasn't watching uh, Jordan Addison and they have this thing. It's like a metal thing that they duck under and go like juke, juke, juke or whatever. Again, if you can watch that stuff and figure out how good someone's going to be, then man, you're, you're great, but I can't. Uh, I would just say that, you know, Jordan Addison moves really well. Uh, he's got tremendous quickness. Uh, even the play that the Vikings put out there on Twitter, if you want to see it, where he kind of had to go in between a couple defenders and that was on a seven on seven. So that's one you really can't overreact to, but you can just see the body control and we know he's got good hands. We know he's a talented player. That's not really what's going to determine whether he succeeds or not because he has the physical skills of a first round draft pick, but it's really the details of the offense that are going to mean something. Uh, let's see who was the main guys on the defensive line. So it was Davenport and Wanham on the edges. And I believe what Dean Lowry, Harrison Phillips, there was some Kyrus Tonga, you know, mixed in there, uh, a few different guys going in and out with the first team. And I imagine that's how it's going to be. But I think that if they were like the starting four, kinda, if it's a nickel package is probably that it's probably Harrison Phillips, Dean Lowry, Marcus Davenport, and DJ Wanham if Daniil Hunter is not here. And then you can figure why they would want Daniil Hunter to come back because that's not a very good starting defensive line. That's all kind of average starting NFL players and nobody above average that's going to scare other teams. That's why you would want Hunter um, regardless of all the other stuff. And, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Flores talked about, you know, knowing his reputation, knowing how good Daniel Hunter is having spoken to him and everything else. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, if you're Brian Flores, you're probably looking at this D line going, man, I hope we get something worked out with Daniel Hunter. Cause it's, uh, we were trying to figure out like how many sacks they would get if Flores didn't blitz the whole year, like 20, it's, it wouldn't be many between this group. So, but that's how it looks to start. Uh, how fast does Jordan Addison look compared to the others? Again, we're talking about um, no pads or anything else. This is this is where I'm really going to be able to figure it out because there is no pad speed and then there's pad speed. With no pad speed, everybody's really freaking fast. I mean, no pad speed, 
they, look out, look at their forties. I mean, it's all guys who run four, 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 three, four, five. Like they're all blazing fast. Once they put the pads on and we start to see some physical play from the cornerbacks, see these padless practices, I would hate to be a corner. You just, you're just going to be on the wrong side of the highlight reel every time. So I don't know. I mean, Jordan Addison looks like a guy who was drafted in the first round and can run routes really well and has very quick feet and good body control and hands. And then we'll see about the rest. Um, I think that I could probably give you more details on his actual play when, well, one, he didn't take a ton of first team reps. So that's one, but also his actual play when we get into the, the padded practices, the ones that go instead of just kind of 90 minutes and a lot of individual drills like today, but the real hardcore two hour, you know, blood, sweat and tears practices where it's rep after rep after rep, then we get a real good look. And I think when they go up against other teams, that's where corners and receivers love it. So when they do those joint practices, I mean, those guys compete like crazy and you can really start to get a feeling on uh, how good somebody is. Uh, Let's see off topic. Uh, how do financial incentives work for the salary cap? That is a good question that I don't know how to answer. Uh, honestly, to tell you the truth, I, I mean, I don't know how they're built in. I would have to ask a uh, salary cap expert to fully understand how incentives work as far as like cap hits. Uh, I think that there is a time when they all like get added in. So there's like the salary cap. And then at some point, the incentives, if they're hit, they get added onto the cap after that. Uh, but that that's like my very basic understanding. But, you know, I, I'll have to ask somebody like Brad Spielberger on that. If you want to tweet him, he's the he is the cap expert uh, from Josh. Which player seemed the most likely to be sunburned at the end of the week? You could tell, at least as of today, I did pretty well and avoiding a sunburn. I went out there, you know, I got the little farmer's tan going already, but I, uh, you know, I, I lathered up pretty good, wore a hat. I had the Oakley sunglasses on out there. Not the ones that are like super cool, just kind of a regular pair that were nice, but they did get noticed. So which player, I mean, is James Lynch, not the most obvious one, red hair stuff out there. It's tough out there. Um, <laughs> all right. From Justin thoughts and guesses regarding who the starting three interior defensive linemen will be. Sounds like Tonga took uh, snaps with the first team. It did. Yes. I would say that it's going to be if, if it's a base package, which means that there are three defensive linemen and two outside linebackers, which only gets played like 20% of the time. So they're usually in nickel. But if they are in the base package, I do believe Kyrus Tonga is going to be that guy. And I was really impressed with him last year. When you look up the PFF grades that, you know, kind of matches up um, from last year, but he actually got after the passer some, which I don't know was the expectation when they signed him that, you know, I think that a lot of people thought, you know, this is just a big giant man who's going to stuff the middle or never play or whatever. But then he proved his way onto the field and, you know, other guys like, Jonathan Bullard, TJ Smith, Jacqueline Roy, like they're behind him. I think pretty clearly uh, from seeing him get out there with the one. So I think that's what it's going to look like. Dean Lowry, Kyrus Tonga and Harrison Phillips across the middle. And, you know, that's a pretty good group for stuffing the run. Harrison Phillips, I think is really good at it. Kyrus Tonga is good at it. 
Um, and maybe Dean Lowry can get back to what he did two years ago. I did notice in his usage on PFF that Lowry was used a little different last year when he saw some of his numbers drop. So in terms of pass rushing, so maybe that played a role and maybe he'll get back to some of those numbers this year, but that is not a rush the passer interior D line. That is a let's uh, try to stuff the run interior defensive line. Uh, from Hunter, did they run a lot of two tight end sets with Josh Oliver? Not that I noticed. I think they started out early with a base package out there, but I think most of it was uh, three wide receivers pretty much all the time. But this is this is just so early, and I know that I'm excited and you're excited, so because it's the first day of training camp. But they only probably ran like first team fifteen plays or something. Uh, out of, you know, out of the, the 11 on 11s and they ran seven on seven and stuff like that. So I did uh, stand very close to Josh Oliver to see exactly how big he is and still big, still extremely big, but it will take a little while till we get a feel like, Oh, they're running a lot of this too tight end stuff or nope, Josh Oliver's just going in with the twos all the time. That's going to take a little while for us to figure out. I would suspect that. Josh Oliver is used still sparingly. Uh, I, I don't know that he's going to be this huge part of the offense where they're playing two tight ends all the time. If I had to guess, I'd say he plays like 20% of snaps. That's as of right now. But also, you know, last year they had a tight end get hurt in Irv Smith Jr. in training camp. And then it was Zach Davidson. It's like, what do we do? And Johnny Munt, what do we do? Uh, you know, part of it is that position does get banged up a lot. So if TJ Hawkinson gets banged up, then uh, yeah, you know, you, you'll see Josh Oliver as depth, but I, I think he's going to be kind of a counterpunch, a change up, but not their fastball would be my guess. We will see. Uh, Luke says that Twitter was full of people praising Naylor after today's training camp. Okay. Um, I mean, there's only a handful of us out there today. Fans aren't out there today. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I, maybe there were some reporters saying he had a good practice. He was out there, but I don't know. Um, I mean, I didn't see anything specific that made me go, whoa, Jalen Naylor, what a day for him. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been making plays since OTAs and I think that um, in fact, Keenan McCardle told me when I sat down with him in minicamp that he has kind of a plan for some guys that he had a plan for KJ Osborne and, and to get him going in OTAs and minicamp and get him, you know, confident and have him out there in a lot of situations to make plays. And, uh, you know, Naylor might be the same thing where he's intentionally going out of his way to give Naylor a lot of opportunities to succeed here, because if they have another guy other than just Jordan Addison, another player to be depth, another rotational player, four wide receiver sets if they need it to go completely empty here because they don't have to have Delvin Cook on the field at all times like before. So if you know they can develop another guy, and you saw it last year, he does have a unique skill for going deep, and I, I don't think his 40 is really reflective of his speed. So, yeah, I could see Jalen Naylor emerging. But, um, and, and Sloth says, ideally Naylor plays well enough to say thank you and good luck to Osborne next March, which may just happen regardless, because if you're KJ Osborne, they just drafted another first rounder. 
So your feeling is probably, well, that means that I'm going to hit free agency. Also, look what receivers get in free agency. If you were KJ Osborne, you'd be thinking free agency as well. Uh, Duke to God says we seem to be bringing in a lot of guys on the interior offensive line. Yeah. They signed Bobby Evans as well. What are your thoughts on the O-line coach? It's the key to success this season. Yeah. Chris Cooper, uh, the players responded really well to Chris Cooper. I know that. And they did improve as an offensive line last year overall in their PFF rankings and other people have different rankings, but all of them had them as a better offensive line last year than in 2021. Garrett Bradbury playing significantly better. Cooper being a former offensive lineman. Maybe there's something there. Maybe it's just the fact that they had two of the best tackles in the world. You are right, though, when it comes to the offensive line coach is a big deal. And and I don't know yet on, on Chris Cooper. I mean, sometimes it's, it's really hard to say. Like, in the walls, it's a big deal. But it, how can I know is really judging on what they say and the performance and the development. But even then it's hard to pin development on somebody. I do think that the best offensive line coaches though, do develop players extremely well. So we saw improvement from one last year in Garrett Bradbury. We need to see improvement from two more Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. And if you get to that point, you can get yourself in the top 10 as an offensive line because this team has the talent. So I think that the way they responded to Chris Cooper last year was pretty good. And I want to see more to get a bigger sample size. But if there's one position coach that I would say, this guy makes a tangible impact where if you were to say, lose him, that's the offensive line. I think you saw that with um, new England had the same offensive line coach for a really long time. Uh, There's a few more famous ones. Bill Callahan has been around. He's a guy that, Everywhere he went, his offensive lines improved. So Cooper is a relatively new to this job. And I really want to see the year one to year two. The thing about training camp is, uh, yeah, I think we could get hints. I think we could get signs, but early is tough because remember last year, I mean, this should be a lesson for all of us about trying to analyze offensive linemen last year, Garrett Bradbury was getting bowled over early in training camp and some one-on-ones. And all of us started talking about it, including Kevin O'Connell. If you remember, O'Connell was kind of like, yeah, that job's not set. There's a competition there. And I think Chris Reed got hurt and ended that competition. And then Bradbury had his best year. So sometimes with offensive linemen, you know, maybe we focus on one or two reps where they got beat or something like that. But also there were signs in the preseason games that Ed Ingram had that tendency to just get beat quickly. So how much do we take seriously? How much not? Um, I I think it's sort of like a proceed with caution when analyzing offensive linemen. But you are correct to say Chris Cooper is a big swing man here. The best offensive line coaches develop young players. He's got young players to work with, um, so they should uh, show improvement. Uh, from Justin, sounds like Ivan Pace Jr. was taking snaps with the second team. Surprised to see an undrafted player getting second team reps already. I was not shocked to see that. He is small. He is definitely small. I talk about being wowed by uh, Jolan Williams and uh, Josh Oliver being big. On the opposite side, you're like, whoa, uh, Ivan Pace looks like a running back and not necessarily a linebacker, but he does he does move well. I mean, you could see uh, just the, I mean, again, no pads. 
I'm just going to put that qualifier on everything, but you can see that sort of put your foot in the ground quickness and go from Ivan pace. And I think it's a good sign for him, for him just understanding the defense, because that's who they're going to put out there. Even on the second team, it's not a huge surprise when you look at the depth chart though, because the depth chart at linebacker is, you know, Troy die, Troy reader, William Quinku. Wilson Huber, who is actually a teammate of Ivan Pace and Abraham Boplan. So is it a big shock? No, because I think this was a guy that they really liked as an undrafted free agent, but I think it's a good sign for them because they think that they got somebody that could be kind of a steal that the rest of the NFL overlooked because he was small. So I, I think it is an, an interesting thing worth noting. And I'm glad that you pointed that out. Some reporters probably pointed that out. I didn't write that in my notes or maybe I did, but I, I should have uh, mentioned it if I didn't that he was there uh, playing with the second team and something to watch for sure is just how he develops into that role. Like, could he be a special teamer right away, become sort of an Eric Wilson type? Uh, I think that's altogether possible. And hey, every once in a while, an undersized linebacker, a London Fletcher, so forth emerges. I don't have like that high of expectations, but it does catch your eye when an undrafted free agent is with the second team. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for Matthew, does the offense seem like they're more acclimated to the system now in year two? Uh, everyone's talking that way. Yeah. And I think that stands to reason. Does that mean it's going to be better? No, because circumstances change. So it might be be the same. Uh, it might be better. It might have injuries. It might be worse, but, uh, yes, I think that last year there was a lot of sort of, uh, what I say, robotic maybe, or like kind of tentative. Am I doing the right thing? Am I running the right route? There were a lot of reps where Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were kind of looking at each other. Like, was that was that you? Was that me? Was I supposed to go there? And that kind of thing as they all were figuring it out together now. And this is where, you know, someone like Jalen Naylor does have an advantage. Now they understand all the details for the top three guys and uh, the other ones who are returning like Tristan Jackson. We'll see if Jalen Rager gets a legitimate chance. Brandon Powell understands how this offense works, having come from Los Angeles. But I mean, first day, who knows, uh, as far as the ease throughout training camp, I would expect that though. And that's definitely the way that they've been talking is that, yeah, like we're, we're a lot more comfortable in this offense and, uh, it makes sense. So, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I would like to have like very concrete, you know, kind of like, this is what was happening today. Um, but we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna see how things emerge. What I like about today is it's the snapshot first impression. Okay, here's where the depth chart stands. And then now let's find out where it goes. Uh, from Puddentain, um, hopefully that's, um, you know, uh, FCC approved name. Uh, we could uh, actually be a better team with a worse record. Yeah, possible. Um, because of just the schedule. When you, you know, our first place team, you could end up, as a better team with a worse record because you're playing more difficult, uh, you know, opponents and more difficult quarterbacks and so forth. I, I am, when I watch the defense play and this is total hindsight because we know how it played out, but even last year when we were looking at the defense and training camp, there was some element of, so this is how they're going to play, huh? 
They're just going to sort of line it up and go, okay, uh, I guess I can buy it. I guess I can buy the theory. We gave a lot of benefit of the doubt last year because of Vic Fangio, because Ed Donatello worked with Vic Fangio. But when you watch this defense and how it operates, and it was more intense today than it was minicamp or, or OTAs, there's just a lot happening. There's there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of players come to the line of scrimmage and then dropping back. And I just imagine as a quarterback, it's more difficult to identify. And Mike Zimmer liked to do a lot of that same stuff. And even just the defensive coordinator, we were talking about how the offensive line coach can have an impact. I think the defensive coordinator is the same way that the defensive coordinator um, can have a huge impact on what your defense does as long as he has enough talent. So can they get some of these guys to emerge like a Caleb Evans, who's clearly getting a big chance here, like Byron Murphy, who was an average player with Arizona, but can he take another step? He's still only 25. And if someone like Joan Williams or if Makai Blackman or if Andrew Booth Jr., it, this is playing the numbers game, but it does look more aesthetically interesting and more like I'm used to from covering Mike Zimmer training camps of the defense uh, moving around, flying around to the ball and things like that. Um, but they could, yeah, they could play better defensively and win fewer games because they just don't get the same luck that they did last year and so forth. That's definitely true. Uh, from Dustin, what's your favorite training camp practice tool? Jud jugs, helmets on sticks, et cetera. Anything else odd that you can think of? Uh, they have these sticks that look like javelins. I mean it like it's, it's fluorescent and it's like six feet long. And, it, and if you threw it at somebody, you'd kill them and they stab it into the ground. And then guys like hop around them, make like quick movements around them. That's pretty good. I mean, a helmet on a stick is a bad idea. I don't like that at all. The, the, the helmet on a stick. I remember last year in one of the practices, what I think the point is, is to try to knock it out of somebody's hand. So like they hold it in their hands and then you hit the ball with the helmet on a stick, but it's hard. It's like, why would you do that? You could hurt somebody. And, and they, they caught Delvin the wrong way on his hand last year. And he was like shaking his hand. Like, that's a bad idea. Use something softer. He's not going to forget how to carry the ball. I promise. I think the same thing about tackling. Like you got Harrison Smith slamming into a tackle dummy. Like, I don't think he's going to forget this. Uh, Hunter asks, assuming Justin Jefferson is still a good football player, uh, still good at football. Yes. As far as I could tell first day, but as far as I could tell, you know, it, uh, I think that Jefferson being here fully participating without the contract and everything else. And the way that he has made aside from not coming to OTAs, no noise about it. He hasn't been tweeting about it or Instagramming or Xing or whatever LinkedIn posts. Uh, and when he's talked to the media both times, it's been very much, we're going to work that out. We're going to, whatever I'm here to play football and so forth. I think that he's handling uh, everything the right way when you're up for an extension and, um, you know, that's, that, that's good for him. I, I, I think that it would be the wrong way to go about it to start, you know, saying things in public and everything else and becoming a distraction. He was out there also, I mean, fully participating, running every route, everything else, not, you know, taking half the reps and then standing off to the side. So as expected from Justin Jefferson, just going about things in a way that I'm sure the team is very happy with, and then we'll see what happens, uh, in terms of the contract. 
Uh, from Jim, anyone ask about Lewisine still behind Metellus and Bynum? Yes. As far as I can tell, yes. Uh, so there was a situation where he went in when Harrison Smith got a little banged up and, and not too bad or anything serious, but just took a couple of plays off and scene did go in with the first team and Metellus seems to have a specific role. Um, you know, so we've got the depth chart. Yes. And I imagine that if Bynum was to get hurt or Harrison Smith, that Metellus would probably start at safety because he's notably able to understand a lot of different roles, but it seems like he has his own specific kind of hybrid role. Or I, I, I talked about calling it like the Joker role or something where he's a third safety in a certain package. And, you know, again, where Brian Flores is doing things with a little mixing and matching, which most people do at defensive coordinator, just not really Ed Donatel. But as of this moment, yeah, as of day one, I don't think anything has changed uh, with Lewis Seen. Any chance you think Metellus ends up being the first team safety jumping past Bynum? I don't know about that. Um, I, I, you know, I think that that is possible, but I'm not sure. I mean, when we talk about Josh Metellus being smart, I mean, Cam Bynum is as well. Uh, Bynum might have a little more quickness to his game as a former cornerback. I think at the moment it looks like it's going to stay the way it's going to stay. And Bynum made a nice play in practice today. He just seems to be a guy who's really on top of his assignments and everything. So I think that they have kind of an idea for what they want everyone to be. So Harrison Smith is going to be the Harrison Smith that you used to know, not last year's weird version that didn't get to do anything. And uh, then, you know, Cam Bynum is kind of that free safety. That's going to be, a, you know, playing back a lot probably coming up to the line and then dropping back and playing deep a little bit more. And then in certain packages, certain situations, there's a plan to have Metellus out there. It looks to me like it's the sort of third down clear pass situations to have three safeties in one linebacker. And, and that's a new type of uh, look that I don't think that they used almost at all last year. I could be wrong, but I think that they were always having two linebackers or almost always having two linebackers on the field, maybe a little bit mixing that in, in sort of a dime package, but Zimmer never did that. It was always two linebackers. So kind of interesting there. Um, I guess at this moment, I would be surprised. It seems like there is a specific idea that Flores has for that safety room, but I mean, Metellus, uh, he's, uh, he's an emerging guy on this team and just seems to be sort of gaining momentum really from last year. And I was just going back and reviewing that cause I was going to write about it. And I mean, last year he played 78 plays in that debut and played extremely well. So, you know, we'll see from Chris Kirk is going to redo his deal to take a pay cut to help the team get better players at certain positions. Nope. Uh, and that has, that ship has just, sailed. It has gone over the horizon and it is no longer visible. That that's just not going to happen. It does, no, not going to happen. Uh because his next contract, he's going to try to get the absolute most that he can get as he always has, but he already actually did redo his deal uh in a restructure. So they did redo that, but as far as like an extension that's going to lower his cap hit and so forth, um that's not looking like it's going to happen. Uh, and I just don't think Kirk cousins, because the thing is his restructure, he didn't take less money. They just moved money around 
for him to lower the cap hit and push that dead cap into next season. So he did do that. Uh, but, um, there's, I don't think there's anything more to be done here. If he signs another deal, it's going to be a huge deal and it's going to be long-term, but you know, Kirk, I've always looked at it with that, by the way, as it's not his responsibility to take a, a, a deal for less. It's the team's responsibility to not sign a quarterback like him to that much money is the, the way I've, I've always looked at. I've never blamed Kirk uh, just because Tom Brady did it. Justin Herbert didn't seem to take much of a pay cut. So I've never looked at it like that. Uh, are you sponsored by Oakley's like JJ? Here's the Oakley's right here. Uh, you could see how Justin Jefferson would look cooler in those than me. Uh, we were this summer that we had a couple of month deal over the summer with uh, Oakley's. And that was great because it resulted in me getting a pair of them and or two pairs, which is awesome. So there are benefits sometimes to doing this. Uh, how's Ed Ingram looking bigger? Well, he's already big. That was not the problem. Ed Ingram's size was not an issue. It wasn't like a Brian O'Neill thing where he had to put on weight. Ed Ingram, a big part of drafting him like off the bat was that he's pretty huge. How's he looking? Mm, a handful of reps without pads on hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say for a whole summer when you're talking about a guard, but especially, uh, you know, just today and we'll see. I think that there's a big benefit though, when we talk about Ed Ingram to having this continuity. Think about this. The last time the Vikings went from one year to the next with the same guards, the same five offensive linemen was 2012 to 2013. And that's wild that no two years have been the same starters from year to year for a decade. And now they get to be. Um, so you know, Ingram should be the beneficiary of that. And if he's not, then we kind of will have a sense like, wow. I mean, you got to come back with all the same guys, no excuses, same offensive line coach. I, I just feel like, um, you know, he should make progress this year and it doesn't have to mean make progress to be his, the final version of himself. It just has to be progress, cut the sack total in half. And you are in really good shape. If you're at Ingram. Uh, James wants to know the practice schedule the rest of the week. Oh, someone else asked about when they put pads on. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not sure which day it is. Uh, it'll be, what do they usually have? Like three or four padded, unpadded practices. And then we start popping the pads and people go to the podium and they're asked by reporters. Is it good to get the pads on there? Start making some physical contact football and the play. Oh yeah. Can't wait to do that. Um, so that's like a camp staple that, that gets said, people talk about uh players saying they're in the best shape of your life. I don't know that I've actually even ever heard a player say that directly to me, but the number of times players have been asked about pads popping and have to go up there and say, Oh yeah, it'll be fun to get the pads popping. I mean, that one, that's a worse camp cliche. If we're ranking camp camp cliches, uh, just like joint practices, It'll be pretty exciting to hit somebody else because what else can you say? I hate this. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's pretty good. So, uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Um, so, uh, from purple purgatory growing up near Detroit football was a non-starter moved to the twin cities in 2014 and watched salty grizzly growling Mike Zimmer in the press conference after the loss to Denver. And I was hooked. Okay. Very good. Very good. Good to have you. Thanks for showing up.
we got a little bit of a different situation with the press conferences now with Kevin O'Connell than we did with um, uh, Mike Zimmer. That's for sure. And you know what? It is something to think about last year because the vibes are so good at at the moment. uh, And I think everyone's really interested in how this is all going to play out. But with Mike Zimmer, what a journey it was. And I think that even just Jordan Addison and his whole speeding incident, almost none of these things happened last year. And you know me, I've covered this team long enough that it's in the back of my mind. Does Kevin O'Connell find out what it's really like to be a Vikings coach this year? I guess for his sake, uh, we'll, we'll just say, I hope not because that goes along with some pretty wild stuff. But I'm sure if you were Mike Zimmer, you know how there's stories of like the former president leaving a note for the next president in the desk or whatever, like Mike Zimmer, if he was like this franchise, bro, you never know what's coming. Uh, so we'll see nothing uh, so far other than that incident uh, from Steven, Nick Muse or Johnny Munt. Yeah, I, I went with Nick Muse when I did my 53, but not confidently because I mean, they must like Johnny Munt for a reason. He's still here. They had him last year and I didn't think he was bad for a backup tight end. thought it was fine that he did his job. But when they bring in another guy who does exactly what you do, I think it's on Nick Muse, seventh round tight end to do some stuff to show that he belongs more than the veteran. And then he'll win the job if he can, because they drafted him and he's got some potential. He made some plays during OTAs and mini camp. That's, that's a, that's a little like low key mini battle to keep an eye on. I mean, you guys are good. You guys are good. You guys will go so far deep in the weeds and there are actual weeds out there. If you've seen any of my pictures, we stand behind them sometimes and you guys are in there like deep in the weeds looking for possible angles. Um, Is there a true kicking competition? I know how much you love those. I think kicking competitions are super funny because we all line up like reporters. Okay. You know, throughout the practice, we're strewn about. You know, this guy's over there, a couple guys over there, this these people over here, TV people over there. We're just kind of, everybody's around. Then the kicking competition happens. Like everybody freeze. Kicking competition. Here it comes. Everybody write it down. This guy went two for three. Where's it from? There's somebody's yelling. Is it from 35 yards or 40 yards? Like, it's very funny. It's very silly. But um, no, I don't think it's a real kicking competition, but they do have a kicker here. So, I mean, I guess... It's not until it is. I might have said that to you last year about Ryan Wright. I thought, well, I don't know. I think Jordan Barry's the punter. And then there's just sort of this other guy. And then um, it turned out to be there was a real kicking competition. So I'm excited for that. I am actually excited for that. We'll see how it plays out. So what a fun first day. Uh, we're going to have a lot of stuff going through uh, through the week. Expected at some point to have Matt Daniels on the podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you're also paying attention to the podcast feed because that will be just on the podcast feed only. So make sure you pay attention to that special team. I can ask that. I can ask him, the special teams coordinator, when I talk to him uh, later in the week. So that'll be great. And, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of good, you know, other people popping in, beat reporters, a couple outside guests as well. It'll be very exciting. Also, I'm going to have a, um, a fantasy um, sponsor coming up in August, and I have not played fantasy football in a long time. So we're going to talk about that quite a bit when the fantasy sponsorship starts because 
I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to need some people to help me out. And speaking of that, got to remind you about Circa, which is in Las Vegas and also is where I'm going to be staying when it's Vikings and Raiders. But uh, more importantly, at the moment, they have the biggest uh, pro football contest. It's back in Las Vegas uh, for its fifth year, 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. You have to enter in Las Vegas, but you can play from anywhere with two ways to win, no rake, play the million pro football contest with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Pick a winner with the survivor contest, select one team each week with no point spread. Get your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. That's circasports.com for details. C-I-R-C-A, circasports.com for details. Uh, so let's see. Eric says any chance of getting one of those ST hats from coach? No, no, no. You got to be in the building. I, I, nope. Got to, got to be in the building. Got to be a player. Got to be on special teams. I would never, I would never ask for one. It's kind of like how as a reporter, I have seen reporters before touch the Stanley cup. No way. Absolutely not. If the Stanley cup was near me, I would look at it but I would not touch it. Only the people who are allowed to touch it. It's the same thing with this. Only the people who are on special teams get the special teams hat. I would not accept it. Even if he said, Hey, you want an ST? No way. Only the guys who have to run full speed at somebody and get slammed into on special teams. They're the ones who deserve the uh, special teams hats. The other thing is when I did play by play for radio, for a minor league baseball team, I always said that I wouldn't take the ring. Like if they, if they won the championship, I would just be like, nah, I don't want the ring. Uh, I think most play-by-play people do take the ring, but that's that to me is for the players, for the salespeople that make it happen, that put the butts in seats and the sponsors, everything, like who get the sponsorships and work like to make it all happen. The operations people, not a radio person. So I've always been, I've always kind of had a standard when it comes to that. But it is, it, it is interesting though that they have this special teams coach who I think is a rising star in coaching in general in Matt Daniels and a lot of young players. So last year he benefited from having a lot of, um, you know, players that had had experience before when it came to special teams. And now I think he's going to have a lot of younger players and that will be an interesting challenge. And and I'll try to bring that up with him as well. So day one in the books, and I'm going to try to make this a regular thing as regular as we can here on the show. A lot of you tuning in, So that's kind of a sign to me that you like this as going over what we saw at camp, having nightly discussions on the feed. I like doing this a lot. Love talking with you guys. So if you guys show up, I'll keep showing up here and doing nightly streams uh, after training camp because I'm really loving it and excited to see how this all develops as we go forward. So thanks again for another great stream tonight and we'll, we'll keep doing it. Uh, as long as it has momentum. So really appreciate you guys, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, everybody.